Good morning. <laughs> Welcome to the Christian Church of Estes Park. We're disciples of Jesus. We build generational, transformational disciples of Jesus, even still, in spite of all the pandemic and all of that. In fact, I think we need disciples now more than ever. If you see in the, the media, the news, and the way that the world is, uh, we need to find a better way to live as a people, and Jesus offers that. In fact, that's what we're going to be talking about uh, this summer. Actually, we're our Wisdom and Secret Heart series as we go through the book of Proverbs, The Wise Way of Life, A Better Way of Living. And, uh, you know, so far uh, we've talked about uh, really what wisdom is and why you would want it and what it looks like and how you bring it into your life. In the last part or last half of this series, we're going to go in some very practical places into uh, Proverbs that talks about how that applies in our lives in very concrete ways and some uh, blessings that God brings into our life, but they're blessings that have responsibilities attached to them. So uh, if they're not handled correctly, those blessings can destroy us and can destroy our society. And so uh, we may make sure that we handle these blessings well. And these blessings that uh, we're going to be talking about, how do we handle them, are going to be things today. We're going to talk about sex. We're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about words and an opportunity to, to talk with people, how we use those, and as well as work. And finally, at the end of the series, we're going to talk about what does it look like when Wisdom is fully applied in our lives. And so today, talking about sex, and, and you know, the sexual revolution um, was a, uh, not a great thing. I would call it, instead of a revolution, a de-evolution. One of the greatest things that uh, we've seen happen for society was how the Judeo-Christian ethic brought about a better standard of purity for sex. And so it brought about the idea of a healthy home. Uh, two-parent home and uh, how we have honoring one another in the midst of sex and all of this. And before Christianity, before Judaism uh, really had the uh, ability to teach God's standards for all kinds of people, uh, really humanity was in a mess. And so when Christianity brought this in uh, and this idea of this family being the standard and and how we have sexual purity really made a huge difference in the course of the world. But one of the biggest differences and so we've seen that, that as culture adopted that, there was a lot of prosperity, and now we have uh, rejected it, and post-sexual revolution America is a mess. Um, modern beliefs on sex are incompatible with faith. We find ourselves as Christians right now, oftentimes we hold a very Im- not very popular views on sex, just like it was in the apostles' time. And, uh, and so we are kind of out of step with a culture that is out of sync with God. And so we need wisdom in how do we handle ourselves in the midst of our modern culture. We, don't, we can't just lean back on what does everybody think is right and wrong anymore. We have to go back to what does God say what is right and wrong. And so we can reclaim the blessings uh, that God has for us. And so uh, I think that's one of the reasons that God really gives to us in the book of Proverbs. That sex is one of the major topics in there. And that's why we're going to talk about it today. Uh, before we do... We want to have our memory verse because we have to remember that uh, wisdom has a beginning point. There's a key to it, and it doesn't come from what I think is best. In fact, Proverbs 1-7, our memory verse, hopefully it's beginning to stick by now halfway through the summer, uh, but it gives us that starting point for wisdom. So here we go. Just say it along with me. Three, two, one. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 1-7. And because we've done this for a while, let's just test ourselves. Here we go. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 1-7. Very good. You know that uh, the fear of the Lord is where it begins. 
That is, people, we have to recognize that uh, what I think is right is not necessarily what is right. That when people do what's right in their own eyes is when we come in all kinds of problems. Right? When uh, most fights happen in, in the home, when you have two people definitely thinking they're in the right and they're going to battle it out. Uh, we have problems in the world politically when you have two different nations that think they're in the right. And in the name of right, we can do the most evil wrongs. In fact, right now, we can look in our inner cities. Most of them are being burned down, and there's riots and things. And people in there that are doing definitely think they're doing what's right. If you ask them, they think we are on the right side of history. We're on the side of justice. And we understand that when we follow our hearts, they follow us to our, they lead us to our own doom. That's why Scripture says that there's a way that seems right to a person, man, but in the end is always death. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. And we don't want to be fools. What we're going to talk about today is not popular. It's countercultural, right? It's something that today would be considered as this is not what, what we're supposed to think according to what culture tells us. We have to start with the fear of the Lord. We don't want to be fools. We want to despise God's instruction, right? God's wisdom in this. But I'll tell you, there's a blessing if we follow what God has to say. And so uh, let's talk about wisdom and sex. You know that uh, really the whole Bible really is a, God is a, has a very pro-sex view. He's the one who created it. Sex is a good thing. He did made male and female. He designed us. In fact, the first command that God gave people was to fill the earth, right? That was the whole thing. He designed sex for all kinds of scripture teaches us, not just for procreation, but also for pleasure and our own spiritual protection. It's a very good thing. And so most of scripture talks about the benefits and how we are to, there's some parameters for how sex is supposed to work. And those parameters are that God designed sex to be contained within the, the confines of a marriage. A man and a woman together for life. And so in a monogamous relationship together, that's the ideal. That's how God designed it to be. And anything that really falls outside of that, that's where we come into problems. And Proverbs really talks about how do we avoid the problems, right? So if you want to get the rest of the very pro-sex understanding of, of how we, what God designed sex for, we need all of Scripture. But Proverbs really talks about how do we avoid the dangers of when sex is mis used and so in our culture with our sexual revolution we say why we should we even worry about sexual sins isn't that old-fashioned well and, and as christians aren't we just saved by god's grace right and it's true that we are saved by god's grace and god's not going to condemn us in his grace for our sins but in his justice god will always make sure that we reap what we sow and so it, there is consequence even for the christian's life when we abuse this just like when there's a consequence in a Christian's life when we abuse money or we abuse our power or relationships with other people. And so we really do. There is a, a, a benefit to committing to God's standard of purity, whether you're single or married. And so let's talk about some of the reasons Proverbs gives us for pursuing sexual purity. The first reason that we should do that is we find that sexual sin eventually is disappointing. In fact, there's three chapters in Proverbs that really speak about the, the issue of sex and, the, and why it should be uh, contained within marriage and the dangers if it's not. And it's 5, 6, and 7, actually. But we have Proverbs 5 really talks about that sex outside of marriage, sex that's going to be uh, tainted or impure, ultimately, it's going to disappoint you. So within marriage, uh, sex increases in enjoyment. There's all kinds of studies that will show that. And enrichment and intimacy, that's what it was designed to do. But tainted sex leads to the opposite, disappointment and disillusion. And so uh, read uh, chapter 5. We're going to be in verses 3 and 4. There it says, 
In fact, that whole chapter, if you just want to read it when at home, that's a great thing. But it says, for the lips of the adulterous woman drips honey. All right, that sounds really good. Well, it's going to be tantalizing. You think, this is going to be great. My expectations are high. Her speech is smoother than oil, right? You're going to be like, oh, this is going to be good. But in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. It's not what you think, and it never is going to be. The experience goes from sweetness to bitterness, not the other way around. That, that tainted sex, non-pure sex, is going to be fun at first. Honey lips, right? That's how it starts. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be heady. Of course it is. Right? That's how you get trapped. But inevitably, inevitably, it becomes bitter. It becomes frustrating, unfulfilling. It will lead to resentment. You, you go from, the first thing that's unfulfilling about it is you go from a gain to a loss. Right? Uh, temptation does this. In fact, the next passage there, it says, uh, to keep a path far from her. Right? This is why we want to stay away from impure sex. Don't go near the door of her house, lest you lose your honor to others and your dignity to one who is cruel, lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enriches the house of another. You go from gain to loss. You think you're going to get this really great, exciting thing, but it always costs you. It's disappointing. Right? Sex is supposed to be fulfilling, not draining. It's not supposed to take from us. Temptation always includes hopeful promises. That's why it's temptation. And people who commit to sexual sins think the problems are solved. They think, oh, I found this great person. We were meant to be together. I need this. It it brings joy into my life. I feel alive again. We hear this at first, always. But it doesn't ever last. Instead of getting better and better, it gets more and more bitter. And this... Uh, disobedience to God, it always has consequence. And not only does it go, you know, does it cost you something? Sometimes this person here, it cost him his honor, and we see that happen. Sometimes it costs us money and wealth. Sometimes it costs us our lives. But it also, it's, it's, it's destructive. Right? Sexual sin is always gradually destructive. Proverbs 6 really talks about this, the whole chapter as we go through it. In fact, chapter 6 deals with three enemies that destroy a person's life, right? In, in verses 1 through 5, um, it goes through um, some unwise financial commitments, right? We talked about the blessing of finances. We're going to talk about that next week. And so chapter 6 begins with money when it's misused. And then it goes into laziness when our ability to work is misused. That's verses 6 through 11. And then we get to verses 20 through 35. And that talks about lust when sex is misused. How it, those three things, when misused, will generally and gradually bring destruction into our lives. And it's fun to see that each one of those is prefaced by, by an, uh, an admonition in Scripture to heed God's wisdom. Before each one of those sections, there's a little point right before that says, you know, if you wanted to save yourself from being miserable, listen to what God has for you. Right? Every single one. Uh, Proverbs 6, verse 20 uh, starts this. this says, My son, keep your father's command and don't forsake your mother's teaching. Each one starts with this idea. Listen, God's not holding out on us. The enemy tries to tell us that there's this honey lips over on the side, right? And she's fantastic and God is just holding out on you. 
And we have to recognize that, that, that God is not holding out on you. Honey Lips has a dagger. She's going to stab you. And God says, stay away from Honey Lips. Right? Listen to me is what God says. I want to help you. He's not there to make us miserable. God wants us to be pl- well pleased. God is not against pleasure or joy or happiness at all. In fact, he's creating an eternal, wonderful, happy place for us. So we have to begin by saying the fear of the Lord is the beginning of this knowledge. I don't want to despise God's wisdom and instruction. And that's why in each one of these three, which are the three wonderful blessings, money, work, and sex, each one of those three are so easy for us to abuse. And every time it leads to our own demise. So listen to God. God's children listen to him. We have to listen to our father. And sexual sin, when then we, it goes on past this, and it talks about the first casualty of sexual sin, is it causes us to lose our testimony. Right? And because of that, our divine help. Verse tw- um, 23 and 24, it says, For this command is a lamp, this teaching is a light, and correction and instruction are the weight of life keeping you from your neighbor's wife, right? That God's word helps us to see the world as it really is, right? And so we see temptation, and we're like, oh, that looks good, but nope, it's not good. Uh, uh, Here's a good illustration of this. I have had a few mice in our garage this year because I don't know what happened to Estes, but there's a plague. And most of them I can get with the little traps, there is one little mouse in there. I'll call him Jerry. Jerry is a smart little mouse. And it doesn't matter. I mean, he can get the, the peanut butter and the cheese and all that. And I know this because I sat out in my car one night and I waited for Jerry to see how is he getting past my traps. Right? So I'm going to get this guy. But he sees the bar. Most of those traps have a little thing that snap over the top. He sees it. And he puts his little mouse feet on the bar and he gets the stuff off and then he hops, does a backflip off the other way. He sees the trap. God wants us to see the trap. God's light is a lamp for us. We see the traps of the enemy where they are so we don't get caught. And so uh, We understand scripture, we apply this, we use the word of God, not our own understanding, but we use the word of God to help us navigate things even like sexual purity. It keeps us from pain. Proverbs 6, 25 through 26 goes on to say, Do not lust in your heart after her beauty, or let her captivate you with her eyes. For a prostitute can be had for a loaf of bread, but another man's wife preys on your very life. Captive right? Captivate means captive, right? <laughs> we don't want to, God doesn't want you to be enslaved or ensnared by another person. He doesn't want you to be so trapped, so, so enamored of this temptation that it really becomes a trap to you. And we see that happen. In fact, in my 20 years in ministry, I have never counseled a couple that has gone through adultery where they started out and they said, well, one of them was looking for a relationship to, to you know, to become unfaithful. It's never happened. It's not like they were like, I'm going to go do this. It's always slow and gradual. It's going to be okay. They have a little relationship, a little emotional affair, gets a little closer, and all of a sudden now they're trapped. You understand that you're fighting for the freedom of your mind and of your heart. 
and of your soul. The enemy is there to trap you. And he says, don't let her captivate you. And I think this is interesting too. It says that a prostitute can have for a loaf of bread. You know that sexual sin, it, it demeans people, right? It, it does. There's a, a, a level of, of degradation for a human being to be sold for the price of a meal. That that's what we do is we treat other people as a commodity when we just use them for our own gratification. And that's pretty bad because everyone's made in the image of God. And we forget their holiness when we use other people to satisfy ourselves. But we also allow ourselves to be degraded. And we lower ourselves from being God's children into being just animals. Something that can be had for the price of food. But we see here that the prospect we have for a loaf of bread, but another man's wife preys upon your very life. There's a cost to sexual infidelity, especially adultery, violating the marriage covenant. For a lot of people, it does cost them their lives. And we've seen that over and over again throughout history, haven't we? And if it doesn't cost you your physical life, oftentimes it costs you all kinds of things. (laughs) Your emotional life, your financial life, there's a cost to it. Sexual sin always costs us more than we would ever expect. You never think it will, especially today when we're being told the lie that it doesn't matter. There's no cost. In fact, it's good for you. That's what we're told. But there's always a cost, and it will always cost more than you were ever willing to pay. Proverbs 26, or sorry, the next two verses, 27 to 28, says this. Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. Understand that sexual impurity, sexual sin, is playing with fire. And it's, I think that's a really good analogy. Hot coals are not bad things. Hot coals can keep your house warm. You can cook food over them, all that kind of stuff. But hot coals should be kept in the furnace, not in your lap. When we take sex outside of that protective place where God designed it for, it will burn you. And it says, just as surely as you just can't scoop coals into your lap without getting burned, so it is when we ignore God's standard of purity. It will burn you. What starts as pleasure leads to pain. But that's not all. The third reason we want to avoid it in the next chapter, it talks about Proverbs 7, it says that sexual sin is ultimately deadly. This is not something to play around with. There are some things in life where there's a little more ease or grace to. And there are other things that have higher consequence. And we'll find the greatest blessings have the greatest responsibilities attached. They have the greatest ability to bring good into your life and joy, but also the greatest ability to bring pain into your life and destruction. Sex is one of those. And so chapter 7 verbally describes the naive man who uh, falls into the trap of the adulteress. That's what the whole story is. And I want you to note the steps that lead to this person's destruction. Starting in verse 6, it says, At the window of my house, I looked down through the lattice. I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who had no sense. This is a guy that's just simple. He's just dumb. Right? He's not looking for trouble. Right? He doesn't even know trouble's there. He's just naively just going through real life, right? So he, there he is. He's walking through. And then what does he do? He was going down the street near her corner. Uh-oh. 
walking along the direction of her house at twilight as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. And love the setting. It starts like this. He was naive and thought there was no trouble in the world. And the first thing he does is he tempts himself. He goes down by her house. Oh, I wonder what's going to happen here. I'm just walking down, just being. It's not a problem, no sin to walk by her house at night when no one else might be here. I'll be fine. Tempts himself. That's a bad idea. And a lot of times we get in trouble because we put ourselves in spaces where we should not be. Where we know temptation lurks. And then, verse 10, it says, Then out came the woman to meet him. <gasps> Who would have thought? Dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. Oh, she knows exactly what he wants. He knows what he wants. The devil is always a he knows how to get you. We are not the first humans. You had thousands of years of the devil to practice upon poor suckers like us. He knows how to get us. And if we put ourselves where he's going to be, guess what? He will be there every time. So first the man tempts himself and then he's tempted by the woman. And then Proverbs 21, after he's tempted himself and then he receives temptation, says this, verse 21, with persuasive words, she led him astray. She adduced him with her smooth talk. He gives in to temptation. When temptation comes, oftentimes it is more than us, right? He wanted to give in. His heart was there. There's a reason he was walking around that, that corner. The voice of seduction, well, it's there. Sometimes we allow the enemy to thoroughly convince us because really our hearts want to be convinced, don't we? We just want what we want, even to our own destruction. Sometimes we're totally convinced that we're doing what is right and good. I'm sure this guy said, oh, this woman really wants me. Why would I deny her and myself? And so he gives in. And then we read, all at once he followed her. Like an ox going to the slaughter. Like a deer stepping into the noose till an arrow pierces his liver. That does not sound pleasant. Like a bird darting into the snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. That's how it works. You don't know you're dead until you're already trapped. You're going to be in it and you're going to be enjoying it. You're going to think this is a good thing. And then, boom, all at once, it's not good anymore. So he tempts himself. He's tempted. He gives in to temptation. And then he dies. That's how it works. Every time. Therefore, God has some good advice for us. Don't let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her path. Many are the victims she has brought down or slain or a mighty throng. This is true. I mean, do we really have to go through history and all the litany of, of all of the people that have been destroyed, had their lives destroyed because they gave in to sexual impurity? I mean, it, really, we have to be blinders on not to see that it leads to destruction and it's not just christians that run into destruction when you play fast and loose with something that god said is holy you get destroyed it will crush you don't play with it this is a high stakes game and god's not joking god designed sex to be one of the ways that we model his holiness and that divine relationship between god almighty and his church you don't mess with it this has huge consequence. It always leads to frustration. It always leads to pain. Sexual sin will always lead to destruction. 
And so what do we do with that? Well, I think this. Wisdom and sex. We want to keep sex in where it's supposed to be. We want to be pure. Because God wants you to have a great life. He wants you to bless you with this. Not have it destroy you. And so if you are tempting or you're being tempted with sexual sin like every human, remember this. It's eventually disappointing. It's not what it seems. It's not going to give you what you think. It's going to be gradually destructive and it will ultimately be deadly. And history and time and scripture prove it. So wisdom pursues purity. And a couple of this fall, we're going to talk about that. What does sexual purity look like? Because as a single or as a married person, whatever, it's going to look a little different. Um, but it's the same principle. Purity is what we want. All right. So why worry about sexual sins? Because they matter. <laughs> and why should we give ourselves a purity? Because it's worth it. And there's good things on the other side of it. And so I'm going to have Zach come up uh, as uh, we bring this message to a close. Next week we're going to talk about money. So that'll be fun. Wealth. Um, and you'll see that there's some really great things and encouragement in Scripture how to use that such a way that it brings joy into our lives as well. But this week, there are going to be some next steps of how do you pursue purity yourself. And so Zach will talk about that. Before we do, let's just uh, let's pray to set our hearts as we begin to think about what are we going to do, how do we apply this into our lives. So let's pray. Father God, you are a mighty and a powerful God, and you are pure. We call you holy, 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 because you are different. You're unlike anything else, and you call us to a holy life, a different kind of life, unlike the way that this world works. And we know enough from your word to know that our culture is out of sync with what you teach to be true and what you teach to be right. And so, Father, I pray for this, our church, that you would allow your Holy Spirit and the uh, illumination of your Holy Word to light the way for us. Show us in our own life what is right and what is pure and what is good. Help us to walk in those paths. And Father, if there are areas in our life that we are walking in impurity, that you would give us the good sense to trust you, fear you, and, and not despise wisdom and instruction, but instead, Lord, to, to correct our paths so that we stray away from the trap of sexual impurity. So we don't have to face the destruction that it brings. So help us walk in that purity. Help us to commit to that, Lord, as we commit to you. We pray that all of this in the wonderful name of Jesus who saves us. Amen. Well, if you would... Um if you would uh, take out that green connection card and flip it to the back, and we're going to go over some commitments that we can do this week. Uh, the first one is to memorize, uh, as we do every week this summer, to memorize Proverbs 1-7, to write that on your heart, uh, to keep that close to you. And then uh, uh, secondly is to read Proverbs 5-7 through 7 together this week. Um, feel free to do that in your um, study time uh, that you put aside this week, and and uh, go over that passage uh, as it pertains to a lot of what Aaron was talking about today. Um, and then thirdly, uh, repent and receive grace. Because there is grace. Um, no one on this earth can mess up enough to, to not receive God's grace. Uh, and that is an amazing, amazing thing. Um, and so um, just ask God to uh, reveal those things in your life uh, this week that that you may need to repent of and uh, ask him to ask him for his grace and his forgiveness in his life. And then uh, fourthly, um, commit or recommit to purity, um, to, uh, to, um, to a pure life um, as God has, has asked us to, to live. And so um, 
those, uh, feel free to check any of those, any of those commitments that you want to commit to this week. And, and uh, as you leave today, you can throw those in the basket, uh, the offering baskets as you leave um, that are in the back, uh, as, uh, as long as well as your, your offering um, this week that you have. And then uh, any trash that you have, uh, the, the communion cups and things, you can throw those in the, in the trash on your way out.